take just a moment now and thank him for that love and take a moment to receive it. I mean, if you didn't receive the shower yet today, I don't know, I mean, there was a shower here today and God's love is so present and he's not here today to say, you terrible people, you don't love each other like you once did. He's saying, guys, I want my love to be so filling your life that it flows out of you to everyone else. Thank you, God, for what you've done for us. Seal it in our hearts, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and dismiss our children. For Children's Church, if they want to meet their teachers out in the back, and uh, man, I pray that that word just resonates in our heart in this week ahead because, um, man, just so true. Um, I'm going to ask Grace to come. Grace wanted to share a testimony with us, and so I just thought we'd plug it in after communion. Um, I thought so, but maybe not. Yes, it's on. <laughs> I have a huge praise to give the Lord. Um, as most of you know, I am on antidepressants and anti-anxieties. So I get up and I take the same pills every day. I told this story at Sunday school, so if you've already heard it, I'm sorry. But yesterday morning, I got up and I was taking my pills as usual, cracking the one that I'm going to take to work and whatever. Well, before I closed my pill box... I noticed that I had taken an extra pill. I had taken my nortriptyline, which is 70 milligrams that I take at night. So I had overdosed. And I'm just like, okay. So I call the hospital. They send me to a nurse. They go, this is what we think. We think you're just going to be really sleepy today and just, just don't do much. So I said, okay, well, then I guess I'm not going into work today. There's a bonus. But... <laughs> They said, just to be sure, we'll give you the poison control number. And I said, okay. And they told me the same thing. And they said, yeah, just, just relax. Just take a break for the day and don't go to work. Well, I texted Pastor Tom and I said, hey, just, here's what's going on. Just pray for me. He's, I'm laying down in bed and he sends me back a text and it says, you're covered. And I'm like, okay, I'm covered. So I'm like... <laughs> I can go to sleep now. I know I'm good. Six hours later, I wake up, and I feel just fine. Yep, Kenzie and I went out, and we had, I don't know, we had, we had tacos. I drove, and everything was good. And I'm like, well, now, you know, are those the only side effects that I should have gotten by mixing those pills? Or should have been, there been something that, a lot worse? And I said, well, you know, I'll never know if there's supposed to be more side effects than that. And I am just thankful that God just gave me the um, overwhelming need to sleep instead of whatever else there could have been. Amen. So, praise God. Amen. Man, thank you, Grace. Thank you, Lord, for that. I'm sure glad that that was the Lord and not me. Or <laughs> um. This morning, we're still in our series on um, being truly free, and today we're going to try to cover two different snares, not because they're not as 
important or not as deadly as the other ones. I mean, this is part five in this series and we've talked about pride and we've talked about bitterness and those are uh, very deadly in our lives. The enemy uses them to gain access, to deceive us, to make us think we're doing right when we're not doing right. And uh, we've talked about all of that, but the snares of greed and lust kind of go together because both of them deal uh, with the desires of our flesh, with our human nature, with uh, the sinful nature, if you will. And so that's kind of why I tied them together. Plus, I didn't want this to be the series that never ended, so I put them together. And there are two verses that are found in the chapter that were these two chapters in the book. And the first uh, comes from Ephesians chapter five. And I want you to look at this. It says, among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Now, we're usually pretty familiar with this because we, we highlight the sexual immorality really good. Uh, there shouldn't even be a hint of sexual immorality. And let me just tell you up front, lust is not just sexual immorality, okay? That's a, that's a form of lust, but there's other forms of lust and we'll get to that. But I want you to see that this says there shouldn't even be a hint of it. Now, I don't know if you've ever eaten a, a dessert or a dish of any kind and you say, mm, there's, there's just a hint of it. I mean, I can't really taste it, but I feel like it's there uh, of this. Not very much, not overpowering. And when we look at this and think there shouldn't even be a hint of these things in our lives, is that because we serve a vindictive God that uh, if there's even just the smallest trace of this in our life, he's gonna say, you don't get access to heaven. Well, no, because my access to heaven is provided through the blood of Jesus Christ, not by my ability to perform or not perform. So what's the point of saying there shouldn't even be a hint? Well, because when there's a hint, it doesn't ever stay a hint. Because when we align ourselves with, the, with sin, with the, the, the enemy, we give him access. And if we give him access, he will not stay where we tell him to stay. Now, I have a puppy that we're trying to train and I say stay and he doesn't stay ever. And he doesn't always go to the bathroom where, I mean, he's like the devil. He, he just goes wherever he wants. I, I hope that someday he matures and grows up, but the enemy will never do that. Okay, he will always try to go to places you don't want him to go. And so this is our protection here. This isn't uh, you're a bad Christian and you're going to hell. This is a, you are opening your life up for demonic influence and that sin will eventually harden your heart because the deceitfulness of sin in Hebrews says hardens our hearts and turns us away from God. So it's, a, it's the pathway. He's just looking further down the road saying here's where you're gonna end up if you let a hint of this in your life today. Don't let there be a hint. Romans chapter 13, verse 14 says, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Greed, lust. Rather clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, just like with offense or bitterness that we talked about last week, the way to stop it is to be proactive against it before it starts. Yeah, so we gotta be proactive. We gotta know that we are, as human beings, with a sinful nature predisposed toward greed, toward the wrongful love of money and possession or power or whatever type of thing we're greedy for. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, the apostle Paul says, the love of money 
is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, we misquote that many times and say that money is the root of all kinds of evil, but it isn't. Money is neutral. It is not good and it is not bad. But the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Why? Because that's greed. And where greed is, the enemy comes in and gets access and then he opens us up to all kinds of evil. So we wanna be proactive against greed in our lives and the scripture teaches us to be proactive against greed, we should give. We should give. And in the chapter, he goes into greater detail than I'm gonna be able to go into in this chapter on tithing, on offerings, on giving of our money and how we go against the greed of our sinful nature in this way. But let me just tell you, it starts with recognizing that nothing we have is ours. Everything I have is God's. I know I work and I know I get a paycheck, but it's still his. I'm a caretaker of every possession I, I, I have. I almost said own, but I don't own them. I lease them. Every dollar that comes into my life is his. And so as it's his, I have to do with it what he wants me to do. If you are a manager of an apartment complex or a property for someone else, or you are a manager of someone's 401k or their mutual fund, and you do a poor job or you do something they don't want you to do with it, you will no longer manage it for them. They will take it and give it to someone else. The scripture teaches us that's our possessions and our money. Well, we don't like that because our human nature says, no, it's mine, it's mine. But the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Human hands can't serve his needs for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. So the scripture teaches us when it comes to our money, we can either bring tithes and offerings to the Lord or we can rob God. Not my words what God says in Malachi chapter three, and we'll get to it in just a second. And so the reason he tells us that is because God is fully aware that if we don't do what he's prescribed, what he says to do, then we open ourselves up to greed, the enemy will come in and all kinds of evil will result as a source of that. The tithe in Malachi chapter three, verse seven, this is what it says. From the days of your fathers, you have gone away from me and my ordinances, my daily requirements, in other words, and you've not kept them. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. You have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Hosts. Now it's interesting that he says, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. He doesn't just say tithes, but both. 
There are two sets of gifts that are presented to us all throughout the scripture. There's a tithe and there's an offering. And the tithe is an unallocated 10% of my increase. Everything that comes into my life, I take 10% of it and I give it unallocatedly to the storehouse. To In the New Testament, what we believe is that is the local church that you attend. You bring that tithe and you put it in and you don't say it's for missions. You don't say it's for the debt reduction. You say it's for the, the storehouse. And so you as priests, leaders of our church need to allocate those funds as you see fit. That's what happens in the Old Testament. That's what happens. That's what Jesus, I believe, teaches also in the New Testament. And yet throughout my time as pastor, I've watched people for different reasons, not tithe or not want to tithe or say, well, my tithe is only 3%. Well, you could say that if you'd like, but the word tithe is the word 10th. It's a 10th of our income. So you can't tithe 3%. You can't 10th 3%. You can give 3%, but you can't tithe it. And I don't make up the rules. I'm just telling you what I believe. And I did this in my life as a child, as a teenager, as a, a Bible school student before I became a pastor. Not because I felt like I needed to do this so that I could preach on it one day, but it was so instilled in me as a child that we honor God in this way, and so I did. But the only reason that you would have to not tithe, the only reason, is if you believe God's word does not teach it. If you study the word and you say, I don't believe that's what God's word teaches, great then by all means, don't tithe. But if it's, well, I don't think I'm gonna have enough. I can't tithe because I'm afraid I won't have enough. Well, if God's word teaches it, you can't let fear be the reason not to give. Or if it's, well, it's my money and I'm gonna do with it what I wanna do with it, that's not a good reason either because that's selfish and greed. I don't know why God says bring an unallocated tenth to me. I don't know why in the Old Testament he taught that. I don't know why in the New Testament they sold land and gave it to people that were in need. I mean, we would rather do what we want and not trust that God is going to care for us. And that's how greed grows in our lives. As we look at Malachi chapter three, just a couple questions. Do we believe if we do this, God will bless us? He said he would. Do we believe it? I mean, if we do, then let's, let's trust him. Here's another question. When I read this, I, I wonder if obedience to God in giving rebukes the devourer, what does not giving do? Does it attract him? And so here's the thing. I fear that I'm not gonna have enough left over, and so I'm gonna keep back some of what I, I know the Lord has told me to do, but I just, I don't trust that it's gonna happen, so I keep some back, and so the devourer is no longer rebuked. He actually is attracted to us, and so we keep our tithe because we think we're gonna have more, but because of the devourer, we actually have less. I mean, either that's true or it's not. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will give a generous crop. You must decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. We cannot give because it's law. 
No, we give because we want to honor God. That was the whole point of the tithe. It wasn't about the law because the tithe was instituted before the law. Abraham tithed, Jacob tithed, before Moses even used the word tithe in the law. Why did they do it? Proverbs 3 says, honor the Lord. When you tithe, when you say, Lord, I trust that you, I don't know why you say to do this, but I'm, I trust, well, I gave you a couple reasons to break greed and, you know, because it's, it reminds us it's his and not mine. And so I give this first part, I give this first part hands off, I give it. No pressure, no, I'm gonna tell you what to do with it, I give it because I recognize that it's yours. Now, if I wanna give an offering beyond that, I'll give to missions. If I wanna give an offering beyond that, I'll bless someone who's in need. That's why in the New Testament, people were selling land to give to people in need. When's the last time you or I sold a piece of property just to give it to someone in need? But we argue about whether we should tithe all the time. See, there's such a problem in our lives and it stems from the fact that we just don't want to trust in the Lord. So we want to break off greed in our lives because the moment greed comes in, it never stays with greed. You know, I've watched people throughout the years as a child, as a teenager. I mean, you hear things in church even though, you know, you just do. It's just, it's crazy. But as a pastor, I've watched people say, well, pastor, if we don't stop this, I'm not going to tithe anymore. Well, your tithe should never be a weapon. And if your tithe is a weapon, then you've got a problem, okay? You can't threaten me because I'm not doing what I do just to annoy you. I do it because I feel like this is what the Lord's asking us to do. So if you say, well, I'm not gonna tithe, well, I'm sorry because if I'm doing what I feel like God's compelling us to do, I'm not gonna change it because he's my supply. And your 10% or 2% doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things if he is telling us what to do. Does that make sense? So, I would, I would tell you, study it for yourself. There's books written about it. There's sermons written about it. But I believe God teaches us to do these things because he wants us to break greed out of our lives. Now let's look at lust. He says that there should not even be a hint of lust. Now, in Romans chapter eight, it says, therefore, brothers and sisters, You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Aren't you glad for that? (laughs) I am no longer obligated to do what my sinful nature urges me to do because here's what my sinful nature urges me to do, lust. That's what everyone, and for those of you that are like, my sinful nature, yes it does because that's what sinful natures do. And it may not, again, be a sexual thing. Okay, don't put lust in that category alone. Ladies, some of you may lust over a relationship. I wish my husband was like that. I wish my husband treated me like the knight in shining armor. And then you begin to lust over a relationship, not just a sexual thing. So we all lust after different things. I mean, you can walk up to a window in a store and start lusting over what's in the the window. I mean, it can be food, it can be anything that stirs up this inordinate desire and causes us to do something out of character. But we don't have to do that. But in order to make sure we don't do what our sinful nature urges us to do, Because if we do that, we'll die, it says right there. But if through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you live. See, we've gotta be proactive, which means I've gotta know what my sinful nature urges me to do. 
And I've got to proactively make sure that I put on the Lord Jesus Christ, that I put to death those things that are lurking in my sinful nature. And if it's lust on the internet, I'm not scrolling through my emails late at night checking my junk mail folder. Well, I wonder if anybody, I wonder if there's a good email hidden in your junk mail. No, delete them all, erase all junk mail. Okay, don't go through there. If you missed something, it's probably not Publishers Clearinghouse Sweepstakes. They'll send you another message because it's just not worth it because there's so much trash in the junk mail. So never do it late at night. If you're gonna go through your junk mail folder, call your spouse in the room and say, hey, go through my junk mail with me. Okay, or your associate pastor or somebody. So that you, you, you make sure you guard against that because every one of us has a, has a different lust. Don't let your mind go there. Put those things to death. Paul says the same thing in Galatians chapter five. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of the sinful nature to the cross, and they've crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And then just for good measure, the next verse says, let's not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So apparently lust and conceit and provoking one another and jealousy all come from the same tree. Why? Because if there's a hint of lust in our lives, it will produce all kinds of evil. I mean, the Bible says anger gives the devil a foothold. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. But you can take any sin and fill in the blank. You give him an inch, he'll take a mile. And then you'll find yourself in bondage and depression and all kinds of junk in your life. And you're like, I don't know where this is coming from. Well, it's coming from the hint that just grew up and it was more than you could manage. But you come back to the cross and you admit it, you agree with God, hey, I let that, I let that in and now I need you to help me close the door. The thing is, is he will. He's, in fact, he's got his hand on the door ready to slam it shut. All you gotta do is ask. I mean, he loves us that much. Some of us think he's got the door ready to slam in our face, but that's not my God. He's ready to slam the door on the enemy if we just ask. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, Paul says, flee from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Flee. That means to move very rapidly away from it. Anything that stimulates youthful lust. Now, I know that I said it's not just about sexual immorality, but the book of Proverbs, and he goes into great detail in the chapter about this, shows us the spiral of allowing lust into our lives through sexual immorality, and so it's really just the best example. Verse one says, follow my advice, my son. Always treasure my commands. Obey my commands and live. Guard my instructions as you guard your own eyes. Tie them on your fingers as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Love wisdom like a sister. Make insight a beloved member of your family. Let them protect you from an affair with an immoral woman, from listening to the flattery of a promiscuous woman. Now, oddly, King Solomon, who wrote these words, did not heed his own advice, okay? So, Again, coming back to the idea that if you memorize a scripture, that's all you need to do. Here's the wisest man who ever lived didn't even take his own advice, okay? It destroyed him. And then he even went so crazy, the book of Ecclesiastes, we're like, I don't even know what this means. Well, that's the result of turning yourself over to lust. 
okay? And then false gods and everything else comes in and it's just, it's crazy. But the spirit of lust, when it comes into our lives, will rob us of wisdom and understanding. It will cause us to, go, to do things against normal reason. In other words, we look at King Solomon and think, he is not very wise at all. He's an idiot. I mean, that's what we think when we look at him. And the problem is, we don't see it when we're in it. Because we're blinded by the spirit of lust that has robbed us from our own reason. I don't know if you know the story of Ted Haggard, and I don't, I hate to use people as an example because um, I believe in grace and I believe in forgiveness, and this is no judgment on Ted Haggard, but Ted Haggard pastored a large church in Colorado Springs. Um, very large church, very missions-oriented church, giving to worldwide missions, outreaches into Colorado Springs. He was the president of the National Association of Evangelicals around the world. I mean, he was sought-after speaker. He was so widely accepted. He was loved. He had a beautiful wife. He had children. And one day, he was caught in a motel room with a male prostitute. And you step back and you think, how did you get there? Well, because... It was just a hint, and I never dreamed. I mean, Ted Hager looking back, and here's what happens. When people get caught with the deer in the headlights, they rail against all wisdom, and so their first responses are to protect themselves and to lash out at the people that are trying to correct them, and uh, please don't hold that against people because that's what you and I would do in that same situation more than likely, and so, but... I'm sure looking back over his life, he never would have ever once in his journal wrote, I fear that one day I will be in a motel room with a male prostitute. Never would have dreamed it in his life. But if you let sexual immorality into your life in just a small dose, it will not stay there. And that's why he says, put these things in your heart deep. Trust my words. Then the proverb goes on. While I was at the window of my house looking through the curtain, I saw some naive young man, men, and in one in particular who lacked common sense. He was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman, strolling down the path by her house. You can't do these things. You're gonna stroll, I'm just gonna channel surf in this hotel room by myself. You're strolling down the house, the path, right next to the immoral woman, knowing she's inside, saying, I am just checking out the color of the curtains. You lack common sense is what the scripture says. You you let that thing in, it is gonna blow in like crazy. It was at twilight in the evening as deep darkness fell. How many of you know the enemy loves twilight? The woman approached him seductively dressed and sly of heart. She was brash, rebellious. Can I tell you, the spirit of lust is brash and rebellious. Did you ever think in our nation we would be talking about where or whether or not I can use this bathroom or that bathroom? Whether or not I really am the sex that I was born or am I something else? The spirit of lust in small doses will not stay there. And so if you're trying to quarrel and reason with the spirit of lust, you're not gonna win. We're not gonna win this argument with our our mouths. We're gonna win it on our knees, breaking the power of the spirit of lust that has pervaded our country. And you and I have to stop agreeing with it. We have to stop sitting in front of sitcoms laughing about it. I mean, here's the thing. I don't, I'm just as guilty as you and I, as anyone else in this room, but 
If we laugh at something that's a spirit of lust, do we not empower it within our nation? And so we watch it, and then we complain that we have transgender bathrooms. Well, guess what? That's the hint of sexual immorality just all the way to the end. So we've got to break agreement with this. Okay, she was brash and rebellious, never consent to stay at home. She is often in the streets and markets soliciting at every corner. She threw her arms around him and kissed him. With a brazen look, she said, I've just made my peace offerings and fulfilled my vows. The spirit of lust doesn't care if you go to church, if you pay your tithe. I mean, in fact, it gets you to a point where you can even be a preacher and be living a double life. Loud and rebellious. And so then, I skipped over the part that really talks about their encounter because we don't need that. I mean, this is not Fifty Shades of Grey. This is church today. So, verse 21, and if you're really bound by lust, stay away from those passages, okay? Because the devil can use that. I mean, you can be just strolling along through the word of God and the devil pops up. I mean, if there's lustful passages, just mark them, highlight them so you don't read those alone, okay? You know what I'm saying? All right, verse 21. So she seduced, some of you are looking at me like, what are you talking about? The enemy will use whatever he can, anything. So she seduced him with her pretty speech and enticed him with her flattery. He followed her at once like an ox going to the slaughter. He was like a stag caught in a trap awaiting the arrow that would pierce his heart. Like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing it would cost him his life. So listen to me, my sons. Pay attention to my words. And here's the thing. I know we all think we're the one that cannot do this. We're the one, I mean, I know that other people have done it, but I can handle it. Listen to my words. Don't let your heart stray toward, away toward her. Don't wander down her wayward path, for she has been the ruin of many. Many men have been her victims. Her house is the road to the grave. Her bedroom is the den of death. See, lust is deceptive in nature and we're actually being led to like to our slaughter and we don't even realize it. We need to make sure that we protect ourselves from that but that we understand how to help those who are caught in that snare. The body of Christ doesn't do this well either. I mean, sometimes when we correct people like Ted Haggard, um, Wow, we, do, we need to pay attention to Galatians chapter six. Brothers and sisters, if anyone is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly, I mean, you gotta understand, this person who's literally caught with their hand in the cookie jar, let's just say that, you gotta understand, we've gotta be humble and gentle because we don't want to help set them off. Okay, now, if we do it humbly and gently and they get set off, then really that's on them but we need to make sure that we're humble and gentle, helping that person back onto the right path and being careful not to fall into that same temptation yourself. Generally, we have a tendency to judge those more harshly that we're in the same boat with. You know, it's called compensation. You know, we, we compensate for our, our own known flaws or even our own subconscious flaws by just throwing those people under the bus 
so that we you know, feel better about ourselves. Don't do that. Be careful not to fall in that same temptation, but share each other's burdens and in this way help obey the law of Christ because if you think you're too important to help someone, you're fooling yourself. You're not that important. That's what Paul says. I didn't say that, just so we're clear. Um, <laughs> just so you don't go home saying, Pastor Tom said I'm not that important. Uh, Paul said that. But here it comes back to this, the body of Christ. I mean, if you and I just come and sit in a pew week after week and we just leave and it's all about me and not about the people that are here, how in the world can you and I help protect each other if we don't even know each other? Or if we don't talk to each other? Or we let little offenses creep in and come between us? I mean, this is why all this comes together. And so don't allow greed, don't allow lust, don't allow bitterness, don't allow pride even in our lives in that hint. But we need to be proactive against it. We need to be proactive to know what steps I need to take to stop it. And here's the thing, if you don't know what to do, the Holy Spirit would love to teach us. If we would just come to him and say, Holy Spirit, lust is a problem in my life and I need, I need grace, I need help, I need another person to help hold me accountable. Show me that person, help me go to that person because if we try to fight any battle alone, it's, it's a losing battle. We need one another in the body of Christ no matter what our vice is. And so I, I implore you, I beg you, I urge you not to allow the spirit of greed, the spirit of lust, the spirit of bitterness, or the spirit of pride into your life in even the smallest of measures. Come to the cross and agree with God. Confessing our sins means I agree with you. God, this is wrong. I can't have it in my life, even in a small dose. I don't want to deceive myself. Help. Isn't that the simplest prayer ever? And that's all he's looking for. And so, Father, I thank you today that you literally have just thrown road signs, big orange road signs in our path right now. Help us, Holy Spirit, to heed them. Help us not to be one today that says, oh, I don't need to pay attention to that slippery slope. I don't, that sign that says the roads are slippery when they're wet. I don't, that's not for me. God, help us not to deceive ourselves today. Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd come and you'd search our hearts. Because we know that we can even get really good at deceiving our own hearts. Show us areas of pride. Show us areas of bitterness. Show us past wounds. Show us areas of greed. Areas of lust that maybe we didn't even recognize. The enemy came as an angel of light and he presented something that looked so good to the eye, just like he did with Adam and Eve. The fruit was pleasing. It looked good. I thought I was doing something good. I thought I was doing the right thing. But it was against what you said to do. So help us not to reason in our hearts what is right and what is wrong, but to take you at your word to flee from anything that stimulates our youthful lusts. To cultivate the grace of giving in our lives more and more. So that these things would not be an access point for the enemy. Father, I pray that for those today in this room that have opened the door to the enemy in any way, and God literally are on that path that they feel like they cannot stop, 
Holy Spirit, I just pray for grace right now to literally overwhelm them, that they would not leave this room today without dealing with that issue, without confessing that before you, without asking for your help. God, without even going to a brother or sister and even asking them for help today. Holy Spirit, minister to every heart in this room. When we, as I was preparing to close today, I really felt impressed that we needed to to make a, a declaration, if you will, in this area of greed, this area of lust. If the Holy Spirit's put his finger on this area, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand and I'm going to pray for those of us whose hands are up for God to see it. For This is an acknowledgement that we're, that we're doing something that God said to stay away from. And I don't know what it would be. And I'm, I am actually today going to keep my eyes closed, so I'm not going to know if your hand's up. Because the point of this is not for anyone in this room to know. I want all eyes closed. I want to give you an opportunity to just say, God, I want... To, to make, I want to do something, to, I want to move in some way to say, I need to make something right. I want to agree with you that this is no, has no place in my life. Not because you want to keep me out of heaven, but because you want to keep me off the road to destruction. And so if there's an area of greed or an area of lust that the Holy Spirit just put his finger on and it just, it lit up in your heart today as a warning sign, would you just slip your hand up and say, God, I'm agreeing with you right now. This has no place in my life. I need your grace to close every door I have opened. Holy Spirit, right now I ask that you would see each hand, that you would give the grace. You said if we would humble ourselves, if we would confess our sin, you would be faithful and you would be just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so as we come into agreement with the truth of your word, we now ask for your help to overcome, God, the, 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 the snares that the enemy has put us into because of what we've opened the door to. Holy Spirit, direct us. Give us that step that we need to take, whether we need to confess to someone else, whether we need to, to, to close a door, whether we need to remove cable from our house, whatever we need to do, whatever step we need to take, we're asking you to make it plain, to make it clear, to guide us, to direct us, and give us the strength to follow through. Not just to follow through until we get a handle on it, but to follow through for the rest of our lives because we do not want to give the enemy access to our lives anymore. We recognize he's here to steal, to kill, and destroy and we want no part of it and so Holy Spirit for your grace over this body I pray and now I ask that you'd bless them I pray that you would keep them I ask that you'd cause your face to shine on them that you would be gracious to them and that you would give them peace I pray it in Jesus name amen amen if you need uh, prayer, you want to talk to someone, Pastor John and I, any member of our prayer team, if you just want to hang out here in the front, we want to give you that opportunity. I didn't feel like 
uh, we should give an altar call, but we want to make ourselves available. If you need someone to talk to or you just want prayer for anything, it doesn't have to be lust or greed. If you need healing, okay, we're, no one's going to judge you and say, oh, look, they have a problem. Uh, if you need something and you didn't get prayer, uh, we want to make ourselves available to you in any way. And so when you're ready to be dismissed, just do it quietly. And again, let this be a place of prayer for those that want to just stay for a few more minutes. God bless you as you go.